Welcome to the CBD Deep Dive sponsored by Six Degrees Wellness. As always, I am Dr. Johnny Lozano. In today's episode, I'll be discussing some of my previous research on cannabis use with exercise and physical activity, the effects of cannabis use on physical performance, and the effects of long-term cannabis use on neural and inflammatory health in physically active individuals. Finally, I'll wrap things up with our pot topic of the week. Does taking CBD with food affect how your body absorbs it? And based on this, should you consume your CBD fasted or with food? We have a science-packed episode coming up for you today, so let's dive in. that I'll be discussing today comes from three research articles that I published during my time as a PhD student at the University of Northern Colorado. All these articles are peer-reviewed and actually have been published by various journals in 2019. The first article I'll be discussing today is titled Patterns and Perceptions of Cannabis Use in Physical Activity. This was published in the Journal of Cannabis. I'm going to just be going and highlighting some of the main findings from each of these studies, but if you would like further information or to read these studies yourselves, just email me at johnny at sixdegreeswellness.com and I'll get the full versions of those articles to you. Now, in this first study, the patterns and perceptions of cannabis use with physical activity, the first major question we wanted to address was, are individuals that are physically active using cannabis products with their physical activity? Because if these people that are being physically active, if they are not using cannabis products with their physical activity, then there really isn't a need for this line of research. So we first needed to really establish that there was a population of individuals within the U.S. using these products. So because of that, the main purpose of this study was to assess if individuals are using cannabis products before, during, or after their physical activity, and if so, when, how are they using these products, what activities are they using cannabis products with, and finally, what perceptions do they have or do they feel that the use of cannabis with their physical activity has with respect to their performance, and then what are some reasons that they're actually using these products, why are they using it. What did we do? How did we collect this data? Well, what we did is we developed a survey. I forget how many questions were on it. There were quite a few, probably around 40 or so, based on other surveys within the realm of cannabis and physical activity and kind of combining and molding those into one to suit our purposes. And then what we did is we took this survey and we distributed it online, collected some responses, and then we did some analysis of it. So when it was all said and done, describing kind of just the general characteristics of our study participants, 53% of our respondents were male. These individuals ranged in age from 18 to 66 years old and were from a total of 21 different states, including states where recreational marijuana was both legal and illegal for both medicinal and recreational purposes. So there was a wide variety of different states. So looking at the first and most important question, are these individuals out there using cannabis products with their physical activity? The short answer and the very simple answer to that is yes, there are definitely individuals within the U.S. that are using cannabis either before, during, or after their physical activity. So that's good. That means that this is a relevant question that we do need some more information on this to kind of delve into how, why, when they're using these products. 
Branching off of that and looking at when are they using these products? Well, we allowed participants to select if they had used Canvas products before, and the way we defined that was within one hour starting their physical activity, during, obviously using during their physical activity, or after, so within one hour of stopping their physical activity. And they were able to choose as many answers for that, so they could choose all three, they could choose one, it was whenever they used it. Um, we were just trying to get a general consensus of when they were using their products with their physical activity. And overall, 92% responded that they had used cannabis products before their physical activity, 73% had reported using after their physical activity, while a small population, about one in every five individuals, 21%, reported having used during their physical activity. So definitely a lot more people using before and after their physical activity rather than during their physical activity. We kind of wanted to narrow this down a little bit more than just when in general are they using it. We wanted to kind of answer the question of when are they primarily using it? Are they primarily using it before, after, during. Again, what we saw when we asked when they were primarily using it, 53% reported primarily using beforehand, 42% primarily after their physical activity, and again, only a small percentage, about 5%, reported using primarily during their physical activity. Again, it kind of seems as a whole that most of these individuals are using cannabis products either before or after their physical activity, not during. And intuitively, this might actually make sense. It doesn't necessarily make sense for these individuals to bring their vape pen or their bong or their pipe with them to the gym if they're, you know, going to a gym to lift some weights or run on a treadmill or something like that. Or on the other hand, it might not necessarily be the easiest thing to, like, let's say you're going out for a run. It might not be the easiest thing mid-run. You get, you know, a couple miles into your run, you're like, oh yeah, this is a good place to stop and smoke a joint. It just it's not very convenient. So it kind of makes sense that there's less individuals using not only during in general, but primarily during as well. And it kind of makes a little bit more sense using your car beforehand or go home after your workout and smoke a joint or load up a bowl or something like that. It makes a little bit more sense. And this kind of provides a nice little segue for the kind of next topic of content in this study, which was how are these individuals consuming cannabis with their physical activity? We found that the majority of participants, actually about 80%, reported that their primary method of use was through traditional means. So the inhalation of flour or bud, so this might be through a joint, a vape pen, a blunt. You guys know all the traditional methods, so I don't have to kind of go through that ad nauseum. But I will say that the most popular methods of use were through the use of a joint, bong, handpipe, or vaporizer. That accounted for most of the that 80% that reported through inhalation of flour or bud. We found that less than 5% were using primarily through edibles and another 10% were using primarily through the use of concentrates through dabbing. If you don't know what dabbing is, I'm not going to explain it right now. One of the reasons we might be seeing so many of these individuals using 
the inhalation of flower or bud with their physical activity is that research has actually shown that you can increase the concentration and bioavailability of those cannabinoids, so the active components like THC and CBD, of those cannabinoids in your blood quicker than through the oral ingestion. Edibles, if you've ever done those before, they're a lot more finicky. They're kind of like a ticking time bomb. Does it matter if you had those on an empty stomach, full stomach? They're, they're a little bit more tricky. So it kind of makes sense that you have a little bit more control over it through inhalation rather than using an edible. So this means that those individuals were probably reaching their high quicker and they had better control over it like I previously said. What were some of the most popular activities that these cannabis products were reported being used with? In total, we had more than 25 different physical activities that these participants reported using their cannabis in combination with. But by far the most popular were running, cycling, resistance or weight training, yoga, skiing, snowboarding. And what surprised me, which was being the most popular activity, was actually hiking. Another unexpected uh, high-frequency activity that I saw reported was individuals using cannabis with golf. And this is purely speculation on my part. I, I'm an avid golfer myself, but I know golf is definitely a mind game. And once you start to get in your head, you second guess yourself, you tighten up, it affects your swing. So because we have seen some research articles on cannabis related to anxiety and reducing anxiety, maybe these golfers are either A, using it to reduce that anxiety, or they're just using it to increase kind of the pleasure aspect of golf. Finally, kind of one of the more interesting sides of this, at least to me, how did these individuals feel the use of cannabis with their physical activity affected their performance? And what were some of the primary reasons that they were using cannabis before, during, and after their physical activity? Now, before I start listing off some of the more popular answers for each time point, let me just say that in my career as a researcher, you know, the past half decade or so as a researcher. I've done a lot of different research. I've done cannabis research. I've done cancer research. Uh, I've done a few different other things as well. This was the most fun I've ever had analyzing data because we allowed these questions to be open response. So our participants could literally say whatever they wanted to say. Why are you using before? They can say whatever they want to say using before. So that some of the responses to these answers were very entertaining. And what we did with these responses is myself and another researcher on the paper, we went through and we kind of categorized the most common themes that we were seeing. And we created about six to seven different themes for each time point before, during, and after as to why these individuals were using cannabis with their physical activity. And then we went through and we categorized these responses. So they might have just had one theme like recovery or pain. They might have had two themes, so both recovery and pain. And then at the end, we added up the frequency of all those to kind of get the most common themes, the most prevalent themes in these open responses so we could actually get some quantifiable data out of it. But like I said, it was, it was a lot of fun to go through and categorize these responses and read them just because you never knew what you were going to really get from these individuals. What were some of the most common reasons that these participants or these individuals were using cannabis products with their physical activity before, during, and after their exercise. Before, some of the most common ones were pain management, improve focus, get in the flow or get in the zone, calm them down, 
relax, improve enjoyment of the activity itself, improve their motivation to actually get in the gym, improve their state of mind, and then enhance performance, decrease fatigue, or to push harder. During some of these more frequent responses were increase or restore energy, push harder, use during a break, improve the enjoyment, the activity, again, pain management, improve focus, get back or stay in the zone. And then after physical activity, the most popular reason for using was relaxation. That was reported by over 44% of participants. And then it kind of tapered off after that. And we had pain management, aid in recovery, stimulate appetite, or help them fall asleep after their workout. So if they're working out late at night. What I found was very interesting about this was the only theme or the only area that was consistent across all three time points before, during, and after was pain management. So because we did have a wide age range of these individuals, you know, maybe some of these older individuals, they're using it more for pain management for arthritis, or let's say you were sore from your previous workout you used beforehand to, you know, help reduce some of the perceived soreness that you have there. So I thought that was really interesting that the only theme that was a present across all three time points was pain management. After discussing some of these most prevalent responses on why they were using with their physical activity, it might not surprise you that when we asked them how they felt that the use of cannabis with their physical activity did it have a positive, negative, or no impact on their performance, 77% of these individuals said that they felt the use of cannabis with their physical activity had a positive effect on their performance or had a positive impact. 20% said no impact and only 3% of individuals felt that there was a negative impact. I did have one um, open response question where the individual said that they would never use cannabis with their physical activity if they're trying something new for the first time, which makes sense if you're doing something new, you probably wanna be as present as possible for that, especially if you're doing something like powerlifting or CrossFit or something like that. But I guess as you get more familiar with it, based on that individual's response, they might be more prone or more keen to using with their physical activity. Another reason that so many individuals might have said that they felt that there was a positive impact on their performance might actually be due to their perceived effects on pain, focus, enjoyment, motivation. So all those reasons that we just talked about, you know, those are all positive things. It could be that, you know, if you use before, you're in a better mood, you go in, you get more enjoyment out of it, and you feel like that had a positive effect rather than if you went in without using beforehand and you just didn't enjoyment as much. So that could be another reason for that. And before we dive into our next study, so the second study of mine that I'm going to be discussing today, we're going to take a quick break to give you some more information on one of the products offered by Six Degrees Wellness. The 600 milligram full spectrum oil offered by Six Degrees Wellness is made with organically grown hemp extract and organic MCT oil. We ensure that all our products are the highest quality by using supercritical CO2 to produce our hemp extract. All of our products are third party tested and we freely provide their certificates of analysis to you on our website. Each certificate of analysis is specific to your batch number which can be found on the bottom of your bottle. Use the code DEEPDIVE10 at checkout to receive 10% off your next purchase. Picking up where we left off, we were discussing how the majority of participants from our survey study reported that the use of cannabis products with their physical activity, they reported that they felt that the use of cannabis with their physical activity had a positive impact on their performance. The next step is really kind of diving into that and seeing does the 
acute use of cannabis before physical activity have a positive effect or a positive impact on their performance. So that was the study we originally wanted to do. We wanted to bring people in, give them a controlled amount of cannabis through a controlled method of use, so most likely through inhalation, and then do some performance testing on them. However, we did not get to do that study because cannabis is a schedule one drug and because of that it is very difficult to use on a university campus let alone administer that to individuals and then having those individuals if they are under the influence do a very difficult performance assessment or variety of performance assessments it's not the safest thing in the world and because universities are federally funded institutions they are very careful when it comes to dealing with schedule one substances like marijuana so we didn't get to do that study so what do we do instead well, what we did instead is we decided to look at if the chronic use of cannabis products affected performance when removed from the acute effects. So we brought male participants in. We also did a separate study with female participants, but I'm not going to be discussing that today just because it's not published yet. So as soon as it gets published, I'll discuss that. But today we're going to be focusing on this male study. And so what we did with these males is we found two different groups. We found physically active individuals that were either using cannabis products chronically. And the way we defined chronically was at least once a week for the past six months. However, that being said, we found that our average individual within our study was using approximately five times a week. So definitely chronic heavy users. And then we had a equally physically active, equally comparable control group of physically active individuals that were not currently using cannabis products or had not used any cannabis products either ever or within the past six months. So they were removed from those potential chronic use of it. So we had a user group and then we had a non-user group. And what we did with these individuals is we brought them in for four different visits. In each of those visits, we did a variety of different tests just because we were going to be doing a lot of maximal performance testing. And when you're doing maximal performance testing, you want to make sure your participants are as fresh as possible. You don't want to do multiple maximal performance testing one after the other after the other because they're going to get fatigued and that could affect their performance. So we wanted to make sure when we were bringing them in for testing, they're as fresh as possible. We basically just took a shotgun effect because at the time and still really there isn't a lot of research out there on how the chronic use of cannabis in physically active individuals affects performance. So we did a variety of performance tests. We looked at lung function, we took some blood for blood markers. So we looked at testosterone, we looked at cortisol, we looked at some inflammatory proteins. We had them do a anaerobic fitness assessment. So the Wingate assessment it is a 30 second all out cycle assessment against the predetermined resistance that's based on your body weight. If you have never done a Wingate assessment before, it is the longest and worst 30 seconds of your life. And I've had many students, even when I was teaching this, we would do this performance test in class. I've had many students throw up afterwards because it is a super maximal assessment. You are going as hard as you can for 30 seconds. It's not fun, but I digress. So we did that anaerobic Wingate assessment. We did a aerobic performance assessment. So we did a VO2 max assessment. So basically what we were doing was assessing how much oxygen these individuals were using at maximal performance. And the way we did that was we hooked them up to a metabolic cart, which measured their oxygen consumption, put them on a treadmill, increase the intensity of every stage every few minutes 
until they couldn't run anymore. So they are going as hard as they possibly can and we're looking at their oxygen consumption. Along with that, we also did some upper body and lower body strength assessments. And we also did some core stability assessments with this as well. And what we saw was actually really interesting. It kind of caught me off guard. You know, when I started the study, I was first kind of getting into the realm of performance research. Before this, I was more on the animal research cancer rehabilitation side of things. And the results of this study kind of caught me off guard. So when it was all said and done, there were no performance differences between our two groups in any of those tests that I just mentioned. Not a single one, not a single variable. We had tons of different variables and there was no difference between any of them. We know that our groups were comparable based on their fitness status. They were engaging in the same amount of physical activity every week. This wasn't standardized. It was just their self-reported physical activity habits. They were of the same body composition, similar height, similar weight. And when looking at all these performance tests, there was no difference in any of those variables. So there was no difference between our cannabis users and non-users with their pulmonary function, with their anaerobic power performance, with their cardiovascular performance, so that aerobic endurance that we had them do on the treadmill, their oxygen utilization, their upper or lower body strength, or their core stability. There was no difference in any of those variables. Also, when we looked at the blood samples, so a couple markers that I mentioned priorly were testosterone and cortisol. So testosterone, as you know, in males is the male sex hormone. And there are some claims out there that the chronic use of cannabis actually suppressed your testosterone concentration. And what we found based on the results of this study is that's not true. That's not the fact. Obviously, that needs to be replicated with more studies, larger sample sizes. But what we found in our study was that there is no difference in the concentration of testosterone in our two groups. Also, cortisol, which is a marker of stress, there was again no differences between either of these groups. Lastly, we looked at a marker of inflammation called CRP. CRP stands for C-reactive protein. This protein is released from your liver in response to systemic inflammation and can be actually used as a risk classification for cardiovascular disease. When looking at the average concentration for our non-users and our cannabis users. What we saw that, again, there was not a significant difference between the average concentration for both of these groups. However, what we did see was that when using the average concentration for the classification for their cardiovascular disease risk was that our users of cannabis were at elevated risk. So they were at moderate risk for cardiovascular disease, whereas our non-users were at low risk for cardiovascular disease. Why this is, is a topic of debate because typically when we think of cannabis and we look at the research involving cannabis, THC, CBD, typically it's an overwhelming majority that these compounds are anti-inflammatory. So why then are we seeing that this marker of systemic inflammation is not significantly elevated, but it is classifying these cannabis users into a different risk category. And that was kind of one thing that led us into our third article. So I don't know if I mentioned it before, but the title of that second article was Performance and Health-Related Characteristics of Physically Active Males Using Marijuana. That was published in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research. The third article was a follow-up study. Based on that first study, we know that there's no difference in physical 
clinical performance of individuals that are chronically using cannabis products. That's a good thing. Um, we don't want to see that the chronic use of cannabis in these physically active individuals is having a negative impact on their performance. But that also being said, it's not having a positive impact. So we wanted to dive a little bit more on the inflammatory side of things. So our third article that I'm going to be discussing, and this is the one that's actually been the most recently published in the Journal of Applied Physiology, Nutrition, and Metabolism. It's a Canadian journal it's titled Chronic Cannabis Use in Circulating Biomarkers of Neural Health, Stress, and Inflammation in Physically Active Individuals. Wow, that is a mouthful. What did we do in this study? Like I said, it was a follow-up to that previous study when we we're looking at some of the performance aspects. And because we now know that there really isn't a difference in performance, we still want to look at physically active individuals and we wanted to see why we might be seeing some of these differences in inflammatory health. And then we also wanted to look at some markers of neural health as well, just because we do know that there are active components within cannabis that do have psychological effects. They can act on the central nervous system like THC. And we wanted to see if the chronic use of these cannabis products was having any positive, negative implications in these physically active individuals. And then we wanted to explore that inflammatory side just a little bit more. What we did is we brought these individuals in again for a few visits and we did the performance testing. However, instead of using this as a variable to see if there's a difference in performance, it was more of a descriptive variable. So we wanted to make sure that there were equal physical kind of activity status. And then again, it was users and non-users. We found that our users were using about an average of five times a week for the past six months. Non-users, again, no use within the past six months or ever previously. And we looked at a few different markers. So let me start with the markers of stress and inflammation. Again, we looked at cortisol, we looked at C-reactive protein, and we looked at interleukin-6. And what we found was that there was no differences with respect to cortisol, just like in our previous study, so that's good. We're kind of verifying that. Again, we're providing further evidence on that. We looked at interleukin-6, which is another marker of inflammation, and we saw that there was no difference in interleukin-6 with respect to either of the groups. And you might be asking, well, why interleukin-6? Well, the reason we wanna look at interleukin-6, if you remember that second study that I was talking about, interleukin-6 has been heavily implicated in determining the production and release of C-reactive protein from the liver. So we wanted to see if these different classification that we're seeing in C-reactive protein in our cannabis users compared to our non-users was a result of changes or differences in circulating concentrations of interleukin-6. And this was not the case. Again, when we were looking at the C-reactive protein, it was again placing our cannabis users at higher risk for cardiovascular disease. However, it again wasn't significantly different with respect to the average. So their classification was different, but there was no difference between these groups. And that was not due to result in changes in circulating concentrations of interleukin-6. Now, when we're looking at the circulating biomarkers of neural health, we looked at two different biomarkers. They are BDNF and NGF. So BDNF stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor, and NGF stands for nerve growth factor. And BDNF is commonly implicated in maintaining the plasticity of neurons. So the more BDNF you have, the more plastic your neurons are. So that means they can change more readily. It's typically higher concentrations of BDNF are associated with better 
neural health because your brain is more plastic, which is a good thing. It's more in a state of readiness for learning. And then NGF works in a similar yet different manner. NGF promotes survival of the neuron itself, so the actual survival of that cell. And what we saw when we looked at these is that there was no difference in NGF with respect to either of our groups. And then when we looked at BDNF, we did see that there was a significant difference between our cannabis users and our non-users with our cannabis users actually having significantly lower concentrations of BDNF than our non-users. And please, before you start the witch hunt and start saying, oh, you're saying cannabis is bad. It's like, I'm just reporting the science, reporting the information, and just hold on for this tidbit that I'm about to give you right here. While the cannabis users BDNF might have been significantly lower than our non-users, it was still within normal normal healthy concentrations. It wasn't below what we would expect to see in a normal, healthy, physically active individual. So that's a good thing. It might be significantly lower, but it's still within healthy ranges. That's good. Let me jump back to NGF real quick. One thing that I think is really interesting about the findings within this last study I'm discussing is there was a previous study done in 2008 that found and actually kind of inspired the study that we're discussing right now that found that NGF was significantly lower in non-physically active cannabis users. Now, if you think back to what I just said is in our study, we didn't find any differences with respect to the concentrations of NGF in the blood of our cannabis users or our non-users. But this previous article did find that there was a significant reduction in NGF in our cannabis users, but they didn't account for physical activity status. So what's that mean? What's the takeaway from this? Well, basically, if you're gonna smoke, be physically active because physical activity has actually been associated to increase both BDNF and NGF. So take home message from this study is if you're gonna use cannabis, be physically active because it might potentially help mitigate some of the previously found negative side effects, at least with respect to neural health. Cannabis use in physically active individuals isn't going to cause any marked decreases in performance when you remove from the use of cannabis, so you don't have to worry about that. There might be a slight indication for increased risk for cardiovascular disease, but again, we're really not sure as what the mechanism that this is, there's not a significant difference with respect to CRP between those groups. So that's just kind of a very quick kind of rundown of some of the research that I've been doing on cannabis up to this point. As more of my research becomes peer-reviewed and gets published, I will share that with you through this medium. If you have any questions about it, please feel free to email me at the email I provided earlier in the podcast. But for right now, let's transition to our pot topic of the week. Should you be consuming your CBD with food or on an empty stomach? The research article that we're going to be talking about for this week's pot topic is titled Food Effect on Pharmacokinetics of Cannabidiol Oral Capsules in Adult Patients with Refractory Epilepsy. This was published in the Journal of Epilepsia in 2019. And basically, the big question that this article wanted to answer was, does taking your CBD with food increase your absorption of it, or should you consume your CBD in a fasted state? So basically, does consuming CBD with food increase or decrease your absorption of CBD? Does it not have any effect on it? And what are the implications? And basically, the major takeaway of this study 
was that in these individuals, so in these participants, they had them consume the same amount of CBD either on a fasted stomach or after consuming a high-fat breakfast. And what they found was that in participants consuming their CBD with the high-fat breakfast was that they had a higher maximal concentration of CBD in their blood, and it also increased the bioavailability and it increased the area under the curve. So when we're talking about pharmacokinetics, these are all positive things. And I'm just gonna keep this week's pot topic at a very short state since we did already talk about three other research studies, but basically the take home message of this research study on consuming CBD in a fasted or fed state says that if you're going to be consuming your CBD through oral means that you should be consuming this with some food because it's going to increase your maximal concentration and it might actually help kind of increase the bioavailability of that CBD you're consuming as well. So you're going to get more bang for your buck when you're consuming your CBD with food than on an empty stomach. So that wraps up this week's episode of the CBD Deep Dive. I appreciate you tuning in and listening. Look for new episodes from us being posted on a regular basis. Follow us on social media at sixdegreeswellness.com. Join our Facebook page. If you have any questions, email me at johnny at sixdegreeswellness.com. I look forward to getting any feedback from you, or if you have a particular topic you want me to cover here in the near future, let me know, and I will do my best to do that. Again, thank you for listening today, and I'll catch you all next time. provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only. The information provided in these episodes is not meant to diagnose, treat, or mitigate any disease and does not support the efficacy of products from Six Degrees Wellness.